When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Chronic pain is one of the most common reasons adults seek medical care. It has been linked to restrictions in mobility and daily activities, dependence on opioids, anxiety and depression, and poor perceived health or reduced quality of life. But here's the thing. Psychological interventions for chronic pain often provide more relief than prescription drugs or surgery without the risk of side effects but are used much less frequently than traditional medical treatments. So we're going to review the psychological treatments that actually work to resolve chronic pain. I'm psychologist Dr. Alexis Moreno. I've examined how our thoughts and emotions impact our physical body in health psychology research, and now I use that information to provide community and workplace workshops to help people de-stress and live healthy lives. In today's show, I'm partnering up with clinical health psychologist and mind-body coach, Dr. Kelly Donahue, to talk more about chronic pain and healing. Dr. Kelly is trained in behavioral medicine, mind-body medicine, and clinical psychology. You have chronic pain and healing questions. We have so many years of study, research, training, and clinical practice to share with you. We'll be listening to your questions and sharing our professional and personal insights and practical healthy living tips. Welcome to Weird and Reason, hosted by psychologist Dr. Alexis Moreno. Dr. Moreno brings her expertise to providing smart and practical explanations on human behavior by interviewing diverse health experts regarding today's ever-evolving life and culture. Listen as Dr. Moreno answers questions by D.C. residents on everything from love to hardships, turning social science and research into relatable, accessible, and useful information you can use. Listen now as Dr. Moreno brings a little bit of positive mental health to your day. In 2016, an estimated 
20.4%, that's 50 million of U.S. adults had chronic pain, and 8%, that's 19.6 million of U.S. adults had high-impact chronic pain, according to the CDC. So Dr. Kelly, how can people tell if the chronic pain they experience is from a medical issue versus psychological factors like unprocessed emotions? Dr. Alexis, that's a great question, and thanks so much for having me here today to talk about this topic. So I'd like to start out by distinguishing between two main types of pain. So the first type of pain comes from tissue damage, and the second type of pain comes from the nervous system. So when there's damage to a tissue, that means something like the bone, muscle, ligament, or fascia has been affected. And this is where you would break your arm and you would get an x-ray and it would show up on the x-ray and it would totally make sense why your arm was hurting. Right. So there's a second kind of tissue pain that comes from non-structural pain. So this kind of pain isn't always captured on imaging like x-rays, but it results from other conditions like inflammation and micro-tearing and overuse injuries. Mm. So those types of pain usually respond fairly well to conventional treatments. Okay. There's a whole set of other types of pain that are based in the nervous system that tend not to respond as well. So pain that's based in the nervous system is due to an overstressed nervous system. Mm -hmm. And pain processing, we're going to geek out here a little bit. Okay. Pain processing (laughs) occurs in the brain and the areas that process emotions in the brain overlap with the areas that process pain. Okay. So just by that, you can see the, where we might be going with this, yeah. <laughs> with this idea that pain and emotions can both be impacted by one another. So the second kind of pain is based in the nervous system and more specifically an overstressed nervous system. So pain processing occurs in the brain. We're going to geek out here a little bit. Um, It's processed in the same areas that the brain processes emotion. So pain processing and emotional processing overlap a lot in the brain. Okay. So we're going to use this to kind of understand how these pain conditions can develop and then how to treat them too. Symptoms are caused by neural pathway changes, and these develop in response to stress and trauma and repressed emotions. And these are learned neural pathways that cause these anatomical changes in the brain, which means that the symptoms are generated in your brain Mm -hmm. and the experience of the symptoms is legit. It's not just something that's all in your head. Right. Okay. Yeah. Now, these symptoms can be chronic and debilitating, but the good news Mm -hmm. is that they can also be curable. Okay. There are a number of names for this type of pain, and as we tend to and start to understand it a little bit more, Mm -hmm. there are more and more names coming out for it because everyone still sort of has their own way of describing it. Uh So the two terms that I'll use most today when I talk about it are psychophysiologic disorder and tension myositis syndrome. There are a number of other names too, but it really all means that there's a huge component of stress that's Mm -hmm. playing into this pain response. And that we can use some mind-body techniques to kind of undo that stress and unwind the nervous system to help treat them. Okay. So let's see. Um, So it it still seems like a lot of people associate, like if I have some kind of physical problem, it must be because of a physical medical issue. And the solution also must be some kind of... Um, medication or surgery, something physical that right. I, I need to do to my body to make it stop. Um, 
So let's get a better understanding of how our psychological factors can affect our physical health, as you mentioned. So what are some common chronic pain symptoms people experience that are actually affected by psychological factors? That's a great question, and there are a number of them. Um, I'll talk about the most common ones, the ones that I see most and that we've seen in the literature the most. So back pain is probably the number one condition. In addition, there's neck pain, tension headaches and migraine headaches, fibromyalgia, TMJ, irritable bowel syndrome, chronic tendinitis, piriformis syndrome, and tinnitus, which is ringing in the ears. Yeah. And also chronic hives that tend to appear in either a specific part of the body or in the whole body. So the idea behind these issues is that emotional blockages lead to physical blockages. And the physical manifestations often come out in a way that makes sense. So if you have had an injury to your back or your knee in the past, mm -hmm. when you get stressed, it sort of makes the most sense that they would come out in those areas because you're already sort of primed to have pain in those areas. Okay. So our brain creates physical symptoms for a couple of reasons. The first is to protect us from difficult emotions. Our brain likes to keep us safe. Yeah. And so when difficult emotions come up, if the brain doesn't know how to handle them, it creates a diversion. And oftentimes that diversion can come out as pain. Mm -hmm. Now, this can also be an alert that we need to do something different in our lives. Um, oftentimes the pain will start but with a whisper. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's just like a twinge in your back. And then over time, it grows and grows and grows until it's screaming at us. It right. really can't be ignored anymore. Yeah. Okay. I like how you mentioned that. I mean, this doesn't necessarily mean that, number one, it's all in your mind. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're crazy or that your body's freaking out. But this is just a very normal process that all of our brains do to try to protect us. Um, the thing is we still have to kind of be smarter than that, right? And still have to work through those emotions to try to either prevent or decrease some of the those physical outcomes yeah, from our emotions. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. All right. So if um, if you've heard uh, any of those physical symptoms from, from the list, if you've been experiencing back pain, neck pain, tension, headaches, migraines, um, those those would be some of the things where people might want to consider seeing a health psychologist for. Yeah, absolutely, right? especially if they've already seen their medical provider and the medical provider hasn't been able to find one of those structural or tissue issues mm -hmm. for to explain the symptoms. Yeah. So what puts a person at risk or greater risk for experiencing their emotions physically like that, you know, to the mm -hmm. point where it becomes physically painful? Yeah, there are a number of factors, and I would say that the biggest one, and this probably won't be a surprise, uh -huh. is stress, Yeah, especially for those of us living here in the D.C. metro area. When I was first starting out in my practice, I talked to a bunch of primary care providers, and then when I grew my practice here in Bethesda, I went out and talked to a bunch of primary care providers again, and I asked them about approximately what percentage of their patients that they saw had some issue with stress or anxiety. And they said more than 90% of the patients who yeah. came in with a physical complaint also had some complaint of stress or anxiety if mm -hmm. they were asked. So stress is huge and repressed emotions are also a huge factor. Mm -hmm. Individuals with a current trauma or a past trauma 
can also be more likely to be exposed to this type of pain. And I want to talk a little bit about trauma because it's sometimes misunderstood. There's big trauma that we can all see as trauma, like Mm -hmm. seeing um, war um, and the violence that goes along with war and fighting. That could be a huge trauma. And abuse, like sexual abuse, physical abuse, and even emotional abuse over a long period of time. Those can be big traumas, and we'd all probably agree that those are traumatic. But trauma, trauma with a little t, can also be things like going to a work environment every day that's hostile or mm-hmm. where you're under the thumb of a micromanaging boss, yeah. especially if that's something that's happened to you in the past, either mm-hmm. with a boss or a coach or a parent. Mm-hmm. Other personality traits include perfectionism and being a a type A personality, (laughs) Um, and along with that, being a people pleaser, being a legalist or a stoic, Mm -hmm. a person who's predisposed to anxiety and fear, someone who tends to have low self-esteem or experiences hostility and aggression, and then finally someone who has kind of a more dependent type of personality. Okay. So the more of those that you have, Mm -hmm. the more likely it would be that pain would be um, kind of a signal that something's going on in your body or in your mind or in your emotions. Okay, so that's something to look out for as well. Now, in your experience, what's a person's process to actually seeking psychological treatment for physical pain? Because I imagine that everyone just goes to their medical doctors and tries to find whatever pill or surgery that will fix it and maybe even try all kinds of other alternative, I don't know, medications, herbs, you know, to, yeah. to get rid of it. But so what, from your experience, how, what does it take for somebody yeah. to finally be like, all right, fine, doctor, I'm going to go talk to you about my problem. Oftentimes when clients come to see me, they've pretty much tried everything else. Mm-hmm. So they've gone to their primary care doctor and they've often seen one or more specialists. They've taken medications. They may have even had surgical procedures. Wow. Yeah. So they've really exhausted most of what conventional medicine has to offer them. And then many of my clients have also sought out complementary and alternative treatments like acupuncture and chiropractic, which are now actually pretty mainstream. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also see clients who have anxiety and depression, Mm -hmm. and it's sort of separate but related to the anxiety and the depression come because they've been dealing with these chronic conditions for so long. So they come in because they don't know how to get rid of this anxiety or how to lift, lift their depression. Mm-hmm. And then we really uncover that there are these chronic pain conditions going on underneath. And so we're able to work on both. Okay. Now, uh, let's see. What, what can people expect when they start seeing a health psychologist? Um, when I introduce myself as a psychologist, people automatically get the vision of someone laying down on a couch <laughs> and I'm like hiding behind them and they're in session for the rest of their life. What, what can someone expect if they go see a health psychologist? Yeah, that's a practice? great question. So I have a couch in my office, but no one to date has ever laid really? on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when they come in, actually before they come in, I'll talk to them on the phone and just make sure that we'd be a good fit, Mm -hmm. that what they're coming in for and wanting help with are things that I feel like I can help them with. And then if we both agree that that's a match, then when they come in, they'll have filled out an intake form just with some basic health information and psychological history. And we'll really start wherever they present. So if they come in and they're really disturbed by feeling depressed or feeling anxious, then that's where we'll start. Um, And I like to do a lot of education Mm -hmm. because 
the research has shown us that just educating people on how the brain and body process pain, just having that knowledge provides some control for people, and that in and of itself can help people to feel better. Okay. So that's where we start. And then I use various techniques from cognitive behavioral therapy and mind-body techniques, and we work on those in session. So we introduce those in session and practice them. And then I give my clients fun work. Yeah. <laughs> Not necessarily homework, but yeah. fun work so that they can continue to apply these things that they're learning outside the office. Because it's great to be able to practice mindfulness in the office, but yeah. when you're home and you're around your screaming children, mm-hmm. it becomes much more challenging. Okay. So it's important to practice. And then when they come back, we sort of will check in and see what barriers came up for them. And you know, I see some clients uh, every week in the beginning, mm-hmm. and then as they progress and kind of feel better with some of the tools and they're starting to actually feel better physically and mentally and emotionally, then we can sort of space them out. So I have clients I see every week and clients who I see when they just need a tune-up. Yeah. Okay, so if anyone's noticed that they're experiencing some of these symptoms or they think that they or a family member or friend might benefit from um, seeing a health psychologist, I understand that you have your own practice Mm -hmm. um, and people could find your information at kellydonahuephd.com. That's correct. So that's spelled K-E-L-L-Y-D-O-N-A-H-U-E-P-H-D.com. You got it. (laughs) And you provide in-person and virtual um, individual services? Yes, that's right. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one place to go to find um, a health psychologist. And your practice is in Baltimore? It's in Bethesda. Bethesda. And in Frederick. Okay. And then your virtual services are done through like a video um, call kind of situation? Yeah, video or audio. So I okay. see clients all over the U.S. using them. Okay, great. And if you want to get more information um, and find a mind-body health professional in your area as well, there is the Psychophysiologic um, Disorder Association. Their website's really long, so I'm just going to make it a clickable version on my website. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> at wittenreason.com. Um, and then definitely review your health coverage for mental or behavioral health benefits. Um, and you'll be requesting specifically a health psychologist will be someone who's properly trained to help, help you work through uh, chronic pain issues. All right, so now that we have a solid understanding about how our mind can physically affect our body, let's go to people's more specific chronic pain and mind-body questions. Uh, That's what happened to me about six months ago. I lost my dad, so I'm normally a positive guy, and I never had any problems with my emotions or mentally problems. So when I got news about my dad passed away uh, I got it from my mother so I start feeling bad I start crying for a couple of days I couldn't I couldn't believe that happened to me so and also you know I live far away from my family for a while for a long time so maybe that was that was the point I feel mo- much worse so one day I just sleep, I sleep with overthinking and wake the next day when I wake up, I feel very bad. Uh, first of all, what I feel, I feel a pain on my chest. I feel a pain on my head. So uh, I was thinking that it's some, some kind of sickness. I was scared about, 
I, I was like, what, what's going on? Maybe I got some cancer or something like this. What is the pain about? So I went to doctor. I was in a, I know a hospital. They checked me. So they said, you are okay. You don't have any sickness. Just try to talk to psychologists. So, and then I, I realized that I have a panic attack every night when I go to sleep. I cannot sleep because my heart starts beating very fast. So I cannot breathe. Uh, and also I got the pain. So, and I went to psychologists, talked to neurologists as well. They, they, they give me some pills. They also give me prescription for some kind of pills. So right now I'm taking those pills and trying to sleep, feel better, but you know, it's difficult. It's not the same as I used to be. So, and I'm overthinking right now. And uh, I, lost, I lost my emotions as I, like, I used to be, I used to be so grateful. I used to be so happy right now. I cannot feel, I cannot feel those. So uh, right now, just I'm thinking about the, uh, I'm kind of scared, yeah, because I'm locked in my room for a couple days, and I'm thinking one day I'll die, how I'm going to die, how is it, I'm scared about this, so, and I cannot build, build my future on my mind, so I lost everything, and I'm just coming, like, to work every day, going to sleep that's all what i'm doing the other stuff's for me not important right now which is not normal so i lost my personal life and my question is how can i be the same guy like five months ago how can i bring back my health and how can i feel better and sleep better without any of these pills Thank you so much. Okay, so so this guy has a lot going on. Uh, is this a common case that, that you might hear as a health psychologist? Yeah, I've definitely heard cases like this. Mm. Um, and first of all, I'm, I'm so sorry for your loss. And I really acknowledge you for being open to seeing the connection between the pain that you're experiencing mm-hmm. and the grief over your father's passing. I'm also really glad to hear that you've been medically cleared because that's an important thing to right. make sure. So having said that, it's it's important to understand that grief is a very different experience for everyone mm-hmm. and it can take different amounts of time. And I don't think that you can really expect to be the same person that yeah. you were before your father passed because this is a life-changing event. However, I have seen many clients go through this and know that you can experience joy again in your life, even though I know that it feels really hard to believe that when you're in the midst of it. So I have a few ideas for you. The first would be to ask what the symptom is trying to tell you. You can ask it aloud and then get quiet and see what comes up. Or you can write the question down and then respond. So you could write headache, what message are you trying to send me? What do you want me to know? And just allow yourself to write whatever comes up. Often when we understand what the symptom is and we can make friends with it, it tends to dissipate. The second thing I would offer would be to write a letter to your dad. This can be a letter that expresses how much you miss him, how much you love him, and what he means to you. 
And you can also write a letter that expresses any sadness or underlying anger you may have because he's no longer here in your life in the same way. This really helps to move the emotion so you're not carrying it around and it doesn't feel quite so heavy. The third thing would be to talk to your dad. Even if you're not spiritual or religious, you can just talk as you normally would um, aloud and or write it down. Some clients find that one is easier to use than the other, but talking to the person who we've lost can forge a connection with them um, so that it makes it easier to deal with, with the things that we're dealing with in our regular life. And then fourth would be to be kind to yourself. If you feel sad, if you have a bad day, allow yourself to really feel sad and not judge it. If you feel angry about it, allow yourself to express that anger again without judging it. And proactively speaking kindly to yourself, uh, like you would speak to a loved one or want a loved one to speak to you, can be really powerful. So saying something like, this is a bad day. Like, of course you're sad. You mm -hmm. just lost your dad. This has been a hugely upsetting event, but you're okay in this moment. I, I'm, I'm also thinking about how this person is so far away from home. Yeah. You know, um, unfortunately, uh, this person has medical resources, has been connected with psychologists and so is actively working through a lot of these things. Um, but being so far away from home and... Um, having your family go through something like this, like a major loss, um, can be really difficult. Um, so I was happy to hear that at least this person had um, the resources to continue working on building social networks and um, actively working on resolving some of these physical issues he's been experiencing. Absolutely. And, and emotional. Lon loneliness can be a huge part of this as well. Yeah. So when we feel like we have connection, our mental and our physical health can improve. Right. Okay, so let's listen to another clip asking about our mind and body questions. Can you talk to me more about how mental health and wellness can affect a mother producing breast milk for her baby? Okay, brand new mom, had the cutest baby with Aww. her, <laughs> all dolled up to see visitors. Um, had this question. H have you heard of, of that happening before to other new mothers? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, their level of stress impairing their ability to produce milk and yeah. breastfeed their children. Totally. Yeah. Being a new mom is probably one of the most stressful life experiences, right. especially when you're breastfeeding for the first time and having difficulty kind of getting the hang of that. So stress definitely, definitely has an effect on milk production. And really, if we back up and think about what stress is and what it does to our body, it really makes sense. So stress shuts down everything that isn't vital for survival. Mm -hmm. It increases heart rate and it shuts down saliva production. It stimulates stress hormones to be released and it shuts down our digestive system. Stress is a signal that we would probably need to fight or flee. And so if we needed to outrun a tiger, like mm -hmm. this is where our brain is operating from this primitive stress response. Right. If we get this signal of stress and we need to run from a tiger, we really don't have time to produce milk or to let down milk. And then there's a whole nother facet of this. So we see pictures of happy moms who are easily breastfeeding uh -huh. their cooperative, non-screaming <laughs> babies, right? And often that perfect image couldn't be further from the truth. Um, but if we believe that we should be able to feed our children like that, joyfully feed our children like that, um, then that's going to cause more anxiety and stress. 
and then the behaviors that I just talked about will reinforce those thoughts that we aren't good enough and we're not doing a good enough job and it yeah. just becomes a vicious cycle. So my ideas for this new mom are really to practice self-care. And I know that that is the last thing on most new moms' minds. Right. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean go and get a pedicure, although it certainly could mean that. But it really means at the very basic level, taking care of how you talk to yourself. So tell yourself that, yes, this is a challenging experience and that's okay. You're really doing the best that you can. Another huge tool is deep breathing. And this one doesn't really take any time away from your baby. You can do it. Um, anytime, but it's important to practice it when you're not getting ready to breastfeed. Mm -hmm. So when you're just doing something relaxing or when your baby is asleep so that this deep breathing becomes more automatic. And then when you do feel stress come in, as we will, as human beings, yep. especially as a new mom, then we're able to draw upon that ability to take those deep breaths mm -hmm. because taking deep breaths switches us from that sympathetic response to the parasympathetic response. Mm -hmm. And that allows um, the milk to be produced and let down. Um, another mind-body technique that can be used is visualization. So if you visualize yourself and your body being able to produce ample amounts of milk and being able to feed your baby, that can really go a long way. The research now is showing us that belief produces specific neurochemicals in our body. So if we're believing that we can do this and visualizing that we can do this, it's much more likely to happen. Oh, that's so cool that the research even supports all yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think as a new mom, too, it can be very isolating. So yeah. reaching out to talk to other moms and understanding that they might be having these problems um, can be really helpful. So let's listen to one more question. How beneficial is meditation to your mental and physical well-being? Okay, this actually brings us into our next portion where we start talking about prevention. So this person was asking about meditation um, and what, what do you recommend for people to try out when they're first getting into to meditation? There are a lot of different types of meditation. Yeah. One of the most simple types is mindfulness meditation, mm -hmm. and that's where you just follow your breath. So right. you just close your eyes and focus on breathing in and out. And our brains and minds are designed to think, so thoughts are going to pop in there. Yeah. It's, it's like saying, okay, heart, stop beating. Okay, lungs, stop breathing. We can't say that to those, and we can't tell our mind, command our mind to stop thinking either. Mm -hmm. But the idea is to focus on the breath, and when the thoughts come in, just to let those thoughts go. And this has a profound effect on reducing our stress in the present moment. Mm -hmm. There are other variants of meditation. There's transcendental meditation and Vedic meditation. Mm -hmm. And those two focus on using um, a mantra yeah. or some sort of sound. And you repeat that over and over again. And again, as thoughts come in, you just return to that. Now, the research indicates that that type of meditation helps us to get into a deep, deep phase of relaxation mm -hmm. that's even more healing than sleep. So okay. using that can be really powerful for kind of undoing old stresses. Okay. Now, um, I like using the MindBody app to find classes around me. So even if you're looking, whether it's like exercise or even just meditation classes, check out your MindBody app on your phone um, and you'll be able to find places where you can meditate. Um, you had some other recommendations that people can look into to get more information about health psychology or how the mind impacts our body um, and vice versa. And you mentioned a couple documentaries, one called All the Rage, where you could find at alltherage.com. 
Netflix.com. And also Heal, which is available on Netflix. And I checked that one out over the weekend. Yeah, what do you think? <laughs> that was really interesting. Yeah. Um, and they talked a lot about uh, meditation as well, which I really appreciated. Uh, the concept of every day you're... T- Pretty much, pretty much every day, right? You're yeah, taking a shower yeah. to clean yourself from the exactly. day, from all the pol- you know pollution and just like stress that you had, and that's how you physically clean yourself. Meditation as a daily practice is how you clean your mind from yeah. the problems and stressors of the day. So it's I thought that was really nice, beautiful visual. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you also have a podcast as well called Everyday Wellness, yeah. and you talk more about some of the things that people can do to change their their lives so that way they could have um, healthier lifestyles. Yeah, exactly. We really focus on practical tools uh, that people can implement as soon as they listen to help improve their health and wellness. Okay, great. And then you also have the Change School coming up. That's a six-week course focusing on um, pain. And they come with narrated slide presentations, and they also offer weekly individual coaching calls. And that's coming up in spring, right? Yeah, yeah. So stay tuned for that. Yes. And you also have an everyday self-care book from Amazon. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have a new course that you're going to test out with 12 people um, where you walk people through the chapters of your book. So really putting into practice. I don't know how many books I have where I bought them and then read them and then didn't necessarily exactly. <laughs> you know, like implement them. Yeah, me too. So to have someone <laughs> kind of walk me through the process would be cool. Yeah. Um, so you could find out more information about that by emailing uh, PhD at gmail.com. We'll also have her contact um, on our website. So you can put all of these tips and activities into action today. Visit witandreason.com to get links to the resources we shared on today's show and connect with me, Dr. Alexis Moreno, and clinical health psychologist and mind-body coach, Dr. Kelly Donahue. Did you hear something on the show today that you relate to on a personal level? Share your story. Send us your recording on witandreason.com and we may be able to post it on our Chronic Pain and Healing show page to help others struggling with chronic pain. A special thank you to DC Radio. And of course, thank you all for listening. Stay posted on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Wit and Reason and DC Radio for our next show. I'm Dr. Alexis Moreno. Let's keep the conversation going. You've been listening to Wit and Reason with psychologist Dr. Alexis Moreno. For more information, visit witandreason.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
it, even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.